Another great week of wrestling. I mean, from Monday Night Raw to AEW's one-year anniversary uh, to NXT to Friday Night SmackDown, which was electric last night. There's so much to talk about. Cleveland, I I don't even know where to start tonight. I'm going to kind of just, you know, get right in and start with you. Give me something from this week that you just you want to talk about. I think uh... – for, I think the Roman Reign new submission move is uh, <clears throat> very interesting. I was watching the match with Brian Strowman, and he pulls out the guillotine lock. And that was very interesting to see because we really never seen Roman use a submission move before, and we really never seen Brian. Didn't tap out. He passed out, but it's still in the same, still in the same way as, like, submitting, basically. So I think – that was probably the most interesting thing I saw this week was the fact that not only is Roman Reigns character developing, he's adding new moves to his moveset. And remember, everybody, before I um, point out on Cleveland's conversation on Roman Reigns' submission move, we're part of the Time Skew Network at TSPN underscore. You can find them on Twitter, on a lot of outlets, YouTube for their fantasy show. Great, great show. And you can find us on Twitter as well at Cleve and me. So, you know, we're trying to grow. We're trying to do good things, but I'm going to jump back real quick to Roman Reigns submission move. I did not expect that last night, even though we all knew Roman Reigns was going to win that match. I felt like they did a pretty good job of putting things together. And I like the ending with Uso. So, his submission move, we've never seen – I mean, we've never even seen the shirt off. But now he wrestles with a shirt off. You see you see this change in him as the, you know, the leader, the tribal chief from just your baby-faced Roman Reigns, that this is working and it keeps moving in the right direction. It was impressive to see the submission. Um, obviously, Strowman to me and against most people, that would not work, but that's how, that's how strong of a heel and how strong of a character Roman Reigns is. He's the face. So – you talked about his submission move, Cleveland. You brought that up. I just want to talk about the match in general. What did you think about the ending with Uso? Um, like I said, the ending was very surprising. And then Jay coming out and super kicking Roman and hitting him with the steel chair. Uh, like I mentioned numerous times throughout this podcast in the past few weeks, this feud is actually building up to be the best thing of this year. And Jay Uso is starting to look more 
more like a singles competitor, probably a singles middle tier star. And it's I didn't I thought it was going to be an I quit match, but I didn't know it was going to be an I quit match inside of a hell in the cell. So it's kind of a two for one gift this match is offering. And I'm really looking excited. I'm really looking forward to next Sunday, hell in the cell, I quit match. And it's crazy, too, because this pay-per-view coming up uh, a week from tomorrow, actually, on this fine uh, Saturday afternoon. And like last week, I said fine and hoping to play some pickup softball and football with the boys today, but we'll see. But back to the main topic of conversation, we are less than a week and a half away from and almost a week away from Hell in a Cell. As we mentioned, there's three Hell in a Cell matches coming up that has never been done in a pay-per-view. We can discuss later if that is a bad or a good thing. But to go over, as he said, we have an I quit match in a Hell in a Cell. Never been done. We have Sasha Banks and Bailey fighting in a Hell in a Cell, which should be awesome because they've given us everything they got all summer. And quite frank, it's just been amazing to see what them two have done. And then lastly, we have the third and what we hope to be the final chapter of Drew McIntyre and Randy Orton. So this is a loaded Hell in a Cell pay-per-view. And, I, and I'm, I'm personally kind of happy about it. I know I'm probably in the minority um, from what I've seen on social media, but I think when you have a pay-per-view and you call it Hell in a Cell, you have Hell in a Cell matches. It's simple. When you call it Extreme Rules, I hate how many non-Extreme Rules matches they have. So Cleveland, you know, we talked about the I Quit Hell in a Cell are you are you feeling good about this pay-per-view from what where, where we're coming from and everything we're going to talk about? Or are you feeling a little skeptical to what's coming up next a week from tomorrow? I'm feeling really good. Um, I'm going to say I'm going to go out on a limb and say that the last few pay-per-views that WWE have put on have actually been really good. They have exceeded my expectations. Uh, that was a great point that you mentioned, the fact that they named the pay-per-views after something, but then, like, Extreme rules, it was like one extreme match and just all like normal matches. It defeats the purpose of the pay-per-view. So I do like that there is multiple Hell in a Cell matches. The only, there's two issues that I will have. I The first one is I hope that they stretch the Hell in a Cell matches out. You start one off and then you put one in the middle and then you get one for the main event instead of, I don't want to see back-to-back Hell in a Cell matches. Because then you, the crowd is all burnt out because we're so happy about the first one. Then nobody cares about the second one. Then the third one comes around. It's like, all right, whatever. And then my second issue I will have is I hate how the new Hell in a Cell looks. I hate the red cage. It looks, it looks stupid. It looks hard as hell to see on TV through a red cage. Bring the metal cage back, the silver one, and take the red cage away. It was cool when it was Bray Wyatt versus Seth because it, it fits Bray Wyatt's character, but now it just looks stupid to have a red cage. And I agree with that point on the red cage part. I am not the biggest fan of the way they're, you know, portraying it now back in the old days. Obviously, I I get it. We're in 2020 that things have to become a little bit softer and more loose, you can say, instead of the full-on steel, but it's red. They should put it just back to normal colors, make things a little easier on the eyes. Getting back to all the Hell in a Cell matches we have, I do agree on the setup as well. You should place them um, one in the beginning. Like, let's say they start with, honestly, it would be kind of cool if they started with Roman and Uso, but they probably won't. But then in the middle, you get the Randy and McIntyre, and then you end with the ladies. I think they're going to put a big emphasis on Sasha Banks and Bailey because obviously right now with Charlotte and Becky out, 
they are relying on these two women on SmackDown to pick up all for all the women. And actually, I hope talking about another woman real quick, Bianca Belair, we'll see more of her and Carmella in the SmackDown division as well. Talking more about back to last week after talking a little bit of SmackDown, I want to move on to Monday Night Raw. I know pre-show Cleveland, you mentioned to me that for the first time in a few weeks, I know you actually enjoyed Monday Night Raw. So tell me what you enjoyed about it. Um, it just felt it felt fresh. It felt different. Um, the Fiend being added to Raw, I think, was very huge. Uh, it was funny just because that's before we went live. I was looking, and it seems as Raw got more. Raw felt I felt Raw won the better end of the draft. They took a lot of big names from SmackDown. I didn't realize that Matt Riddler went to Raw. New Day went to Raw. Braun Strowman went to Raw. It was a lot of moving pieces that moved to Raw. So I think I still think SmackDown will be better just because SmackDown is like, in my opinion, always been better than Raw. But I think Raw is finally realizing that we have all these star t- talents with three hours. Let's make this work. Let's give people screen time. It's a lot of moving pieces on Raw right now. And I think, especially in the upper picture with Roman Reigns and Drew McIntyre, I feel once that's over, there's a new possibilities for a feud for Drew McIntyre. And yeah, that definitely, you bring a couple of good points uh, to the table with Raw. With First off, with the movement of the draft, uh, we talk about the pre-show with the moving pieces. And I totally agree. I mean, getting Braun Strowman, the New Day, even Miz and Morrison, um, you got obviously the Fiend, which him and Alexa Bliss, that was a huge move to me. You know, they kind of had to trade storylines over in a way, and I'm kind of glad that the whole Seth Rollins, Rey Mysterio thing, uh, as we mentioned before, has moved on to SmackDown. It looks like they're breaking that up slowly. And we got the Alexa Bliss Fiend scenario over to Monday Night Raw. The Fiend brings such a different dynamic, and honestly, they needed another big piece to the puzzle. McIntyre and Randy have been doing good, but we all know that needs to come to an end, and I honestly think the Fiend's next move should be joining one of those two storylines after this final match of what we hope wraps up the rivalry there. And then you bring up, you know, other points throughout the show. And Monday Night Raw, you did have that flow a little more to it. I was surprised we didn't see any of um, the, geez, I just forgot the group led by Ali. Uh, Retribution, I'm a little disappointed we didn't see any of that. I think that storyline is jumping too in and out, but who knows? Maybe they're trying to space it out, but just keep people thinking when and when they'll be there. It's not going to be every time. A little weird that they were a part of the draft, in my opinion, too. I just thought, you know, they're these cynical characters, but, you know, that whole storyline kind of goes in and out. I hope it ends well. But at the end of the day, it was a decent show, and, you know, I hope it continues. We've seen a lot of up and down from Monday Night Raw. A lot of pieces got boring. Also, a little bit of breaking news, not really, but something that developed over the week is Raw Underground is canceled. <laughs> Short-lived, right, Cleveland? Oh, yeah. Um, I didn't even actually read that, but no shocker there. Um, It was a good attempt by WWE, but it just wasn't – it just didn't feel authentic. It felt still scripted, you know. And then when they had established stars come down there and beat these no-names, it further just became like, this is a cool idea, but, like, 
I don't think they thought it all out. And that's always been my problem with the raw writers. It's that they write the storyline for a week, but they don't plan for they don't plan for the long run. They only think about that week. And I think that's what the raw underground was, was a week by week idea. So Vince probably said, you know what, it's a waste of TV time. Let's scrap it. And at first they actually um blamed it on you know a little bit of COVID because there was a little bit of an outbreak and they had all those people that would surround the ring but let's face it it was just not successful uh going into it I was skeptical um but me and Cleveland you know and we'll give it a shot and we did and it just didn't really work out I thought what they had to do differently and on uh, this actually I got a little bit of intel from busted open find them on XM radio great shows that listen to uh, in the mornings with one of the Dudley bros. But anyways, hopping back as they talked about how they have, I, I can't pronounce his name, but the big guy in, uh, that, you know, was kind of like the feared one before Braun Strowman whooped up on him. And then they had Kevin Owens beat him down easily, get slapped by this guy. And then Braun Strowman just took him out. And there was just kind of no end story it was just kind of like like raw usually does as cleveland says they jump right in the middle they try something new and they don't really think about what it could lead to they just hope it just to run with it and succeed and as we know with creative writing you got to be better than that to have a successful long-term plan but uh we're glad that scrapped um i'm hoping you know i want to see more of the hurt business and cleveland as always mentions he's a huge fan of them and hopefully raw keeps headed in the right direction but jumping around a little bit now i want to go to a big part because you know we have to bring in all wrestling outlets aew one year anniversary i want to give my hats off to them because at first i did not even think they'd make it this far um and it's keep growing it's it's not something that's you know going in the other direction it's pretty impressive and it's a year of success so I watched as much as I can of that. I was in and out with other with NXT and some baseball playoffs going on, but a couple of matches I did get to witness. One was Cody Rhodes versus Orange Cassidy. I personally enjoy that match because I'm a big Cody Rhodes guy, and Orange Cassidy's kind of a homegrown character. Cody Rhodes ended up winning the title and moving on. And then you have John Moxley in the main event. It, off the top of my head, I just forgot uh, who he, his opponent was. He was a big guy, long, dread hair, scary guy. But um, I was not overly impressed. As I mentioned, John Moxley does, just doesn't really do it for me. I guess my Cleveland, instead of me just keep rambling on, my question would be to you. We're one year into AEW. Overall, as a wrestling show, are you impressed by what they've done? And do you like the direction they're headed in? Uh, I will say that um, I want to go on record and say I am not the biggest AEW fan. I will say that I didn't think that they would stay around as long as they have. Um, there's still a few. There's still a few things I just like. I just don't understand about it. But I think that anything, any wrestling program that's lasted a year deserves recognition and credit for what they're doing. They're obviously doing something correct. But I just feel like I, I don't want people to think I'm bashing on AEW, but I just always feel like their their main event stars are B level superstars in the WWE. And I it's 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 proven more and more, especially all right, you got Orange Cast, he's a homegrown talent. I'm not talking about the homegrown talent. I'm talking about the talent that came over from WWE, 
to AEW and they are put on this pedestal and these, you know, and the fans of, um, I know I'm, I'm ranting a little bit right now, but it's, so I always find it funny that WWE fans, they always wanted this guy to get pushed. They always wanted this guy to get pushed. And then they hate the WWE when he doesn't get pushed. And then he goes to another organization, Impact AEW, and he gets pushed. And the fans realize why Vince McMahon did not push him in the first place. Like I said, I respect Cody Rhodes. I think Cody Rhodes is a great middle-tier upper wrestler. John Moxley, Dean Ambrose, whatever you want to call it, I've always considered him the weakest link of the Shield. And I think he is not the superstar that should be holding the keys to your company. But I think in the year span, they are, they, they are progressing. They are doing really good. But I think in year two and further, they have to start building their own homegrown characters because you cannot keep signing these rejects from WWE that were never going to be main event stars, never going to be upper tier guys and present them as main event stars. And I will let you speak in a second, but I also want to talk about FTR because I was just about to bring them up anyway. So good, good timing. (laughs) They are another group from the WWE that just like, I never understood the big hype about them. They, they walk around from chest poked out. They call themselves the greatest tag teams in the world, but it's not true. Yes, I know Vince McMahon gave them bad storylines and bad, you know, bad matches and this and that, but there's been a lot of great tag teams that I have to grind through that too and make it to the top. There is nothing about FTR that goes, you know what, I want to buy their T-shirt. Let me go look up FTR highlights. It's like they're, they're a B-level tag team, and I, and I just hate that, like, like I said, I'm a wrestling fan. You know, I wouldn't like, I'm not trying to disrespect these guys working this and that, but as a fan, I don't see the excitement behind FTR. Cody Rhodes, a little excited. Dean Ambrose, no. Brody Lee, no. He was a, he was a backup guy. He was a backup guy in the Wyatt family. Uh, Zack Ryder, I like Zack Ryder. The internet champ was cool, but he's not a main event star. You're not putting the world title on him. Cleveland laying down the law on today's episode, ladies and gentlemen. And you know what? Like you said, he ain't bashing. He's just, that's his perspective. And he's telling us what he thinks about these guys. And I, you know, I'm going to let him keep going. I think, like, like I said, I mean, I like I said, I'm, I, I like anybody that likes AEW. I'm not knocking it. I, like I said, I'm not really big on independent wrestling. I'm slowly starting to get into it, but it's just a lot of these dudes that were so hyped up when it first came around. I just like, I don't Kenny, uh, Kenny Omega, right? They call Kenny Omega one of the greatest wrestlers in the world. I watch one of his matches, and I'm, I don't, I don't see. I think AJ Styles is still better. Um, who else? The Young Bucks. I mean, I really don't. I really too watch too much into the Young Bucks, but they they presented them as a greater ta- a great tag team, and I just like I gotta say, AEW's cool. They they give me the TNA early two thousand vibes. I don't think they will ever truly rival the WWE, but I applaud them for staying around for a year, and I hope that they keep staying around because it gives WWE competition, not real competition but it keeps them on their toes knowing that if you screw this up with this good guy, he can go jump ships. So that's, that's, that's it. My rant right now. Hey, that's a rant. That's a Cleveland rant right there. And I love it. And 
it's, you know, we need a little hot and heavy takes coming into the show. And I want to talk about the positives more again, but before I move on FTR, that was a terrible match uh, that you had to start the show of AEW's one year anniversary. You messed up with having the belt in the way with the ref, not being able to see it. And it just, it wasn't a good performance. You can be lucky. You're quite honest with you. You're lucky. You came out victorious and didn't meet my expectations. So to be a part of the one year anniversary and mess up like that, not sitting well with me. But we move on. We'll move on to talk about a couple positive things. You know, obviously we went from Chris Jericho's 30 years to the one year. You're you're starting to have more factions as you, uh, than WWE and AEW. They do more of that with the Taz. Uh, you have Taz and his guys. You have Matt Hardy and his tag team grouping. You obviously have Le Champion and his crew. And then you have just a, bu- you know, a bunch of other groups that are just kind of molding with each other. Rusev is joining with the, I forgot the lady and his wife who play the damn video games the whole time. And then um, he's a part of their wedding, which is just a weird kind of storyline, but uh, a lot of factions going on. They have picked up a lot of, as he mentioned, Cleveland BC level talent from the WWE. Now the counterpoint I would make to Cleveland on this one is, Maybe that's people's point. You know, these BC superstars that were the WWE, they have so many that they were never given the chance to, you know, show off how they are in a superstar. And this is how I'm going to say it, because I do agree with a decent amount of his points on those characters. But I'm going to give him the chance to prove it in AEW. For example, John Moxley, he got a huge chance pretty much right off the bat after his signing. A few months went by, he's a champion. Not overly impressed. So I don't think he could be an A character. He proved that. Cleveland said he knew that. I just wanted to see it. And now I agree with him. And he did not prove it, in my opinion. You move on to Cody Rhodes. I'm going to disagree a little bit with Cleveland there. I think he did prove it. I think he could be an A talent. I think he, of course, is always more of a BC guy, Intercontinental Champion, you know, in the shadows of Gold Dust, his, uh, Dusty Rhodes' father and everything. But I think on AEW, he did prove A level. Brody Lee real quick. I do not think he did. I think he is, you know, a B character. Yeah, he's good at being a heel, but he's not an A-level guy. So I'm going to give these characters a chance to want to be A's, but I don't think, I think it'll be 50-50 on the success of that. Obviously, Jericho is an A in WWE and an A in AEW, so that one's not really to measure. But you you see what I'm kind of talking about there, Cleveland, with that is I, I, some of them I most, I probably will agree with you, but I'm going to give these guys a chance to look like A characters before I just completely, you know, put them as a hard B or a C. First, a little bit on my rant. Uh, maybe Cody Rhodes is, he has the looks, he has the moveset. Maybe he is a top tier. Um, Brody Lee, I'm, there's no argument that you can say to me that convinced me that he is upper tier. It's just his character, his moveset. Uh, he just doesn't look like the guy you would give the keys to your franchise. He's not your franchise quarterback. He's not your point guard. He's nothing of that. John Moxley, like I said, um, he was the weak link in the shield. Um, AEW is good for him because it gives him the creative. It shows that he's not good with script promos, and he's better off script promos where they just give them creative um, character. And I think that's very interesting too, because I think that the best wrestlers are able to do both. You know, like if 
Scripts sucked. We complained about scripts for years in WWE. Vince McMahon's storylines, you know, what he makes you guys say. And there are guys that can still succeed with script storylines or script promos. And then there are guys that I keep saying storylines, promos. And there are guys that can, you just say whatever comes out of their mouth. So I think that's the only thing that separates John Moxley to me is that he complained the creative decision, the creative writing in WWE was the reason he held back. But we, you got to start looking at the person and character. Like, all right, Roman, Re Roman Reigns broke through after years of people hating Roman Reigns. Same with John Cena. And they both lived through the heavily scripted promo era. So, like I said, I'm not an AEW hater. I just, I, it, I just hate that when people try to, you know, they only been around one year and they try to make it seem like they're so much better than the WWE when realistically they're still have some catching up to do. All right. I mean, I mean, we made it clear. We're more late. We lean more WWE guys just because of the history. And now, it, you know what? We're just, we're giving AEW the chance and we, we get, we love all people that do. I think it's a, I went from saying I'll never watch because I'm a WWE guy to enjoying their shows here and there. So we're, we're not blind to it. We're and we don't, uh, you know, just some people who think the opposite of us. If you enjoy AEW more than WWE, more power to you. I'd like to talk about it. I'd like to have a conversation. Post it on our Twitter, Aunt Cleve and me, as always. Let us know anywhere. So, you know, it's it's a good it's a good talk for another time. AEW versus WWE, but um, good for them for getting through one year. And you know, let's see what they can do in the future. That you know, the one the first year to me is always a little bit easier. It's consistency and sustainability is it's what it's going to come down to. And we'll see if they have it in them. Gave AEW some talk there, wanted to, you know, give them kudos for their one year, but point some things out at the same time. And moving on, we have, as we said, Hell in a Cell a week from tomorrow. Do not miss that at 6 Eastern, 5 Central. It's going to be a good one, as we said, as a reminder, three Hell in a Cell matches. But before we talk more about the week of wrestling with WWE and move into some of our, we're not going to give full predictions today because we're going to have a podcast right before, we're going to have a podcast come out right before that pay-per-view next week. So be on the look for that. And there will be a guest. We were looking this week, but nothing really added up with the schedules wise. And we want to give us more of Cleveland and you, the show's Cleveland me for a reason. We want to each talk and get our thoughts and opinions and comments out there. So doing back-to-back -back weeks of guest free but moving on, I want to bring back Donuts with Cleve. It's been a while. We didn't have time last week with all the crap we were talking. And we're bringing it back. I got my questions ready. As always, Cleveland does not know what's coming. He's going to give off the top of the head thoughts, and he's going to give a rating of one to five, five being he fully agrees, three, you know, he's in the middle, and one not at all. So here we go. Let's do it. Question one. Sasha Banks will win at Hell in the Cell and never look back through WrestleMania with the title. I'll go five. Bailey has held the champion for a year. Um, I think people are finally ready to see what Sasha Banks can do with a long title run. I think she deserves it. Also, with Bailey losing the title, maybe Bailey takes some time off. Maybe Bailey, you know, wrestles up toward the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. But I think the bigger point, the bigger picture is that Sasha Banks deserves this big win and she deserves a long title run, at least until 
Royal Rumble or at WrestleMania if they allow her to hold the championship that long. And I know against my previous statement, I said we weren't doing predictions, but this one question just happened to be about the pay-per-view. So I did want to fit it in there because I think it's always important. We keep talking about Sasha Banks and Bailey. And for my donut scale, I'm going to go a three. Now, I want it to be a five, of course, but you never, never know because with Vince McMahon being at the top of the food chain, it worries me that he might do something bizarre. I, real quick, I heard that we can maybe see, you know, Bailey hurt Sasha so bad or vice versa that one's out until like Royal Rumble time and then they feud back up the rivalry. But that's just one room I heard. But I pray that uh, Sasha wins, actually, because first off, I love her character and I uh, think she's amazing. And I'm not too big on Bailey right now. So I think a three, but I want a five. We're going to move on to question two uh, as we're about halfway through our show today. And question number two. So, you know, in the news this week, I've been seeing a lot of the veterans or the retired talk a lot about, you know, maybe jumping in the picture more. We saw on at the Thunderdome Goldberg was actually on one of the screens uh, virtually. You saw him post on Instagram as we put on our Twitter account. And I've even heard things with Taker and Cena's name this week. So um, it's going to be about the future, but out of those three guys, Undertaker, John Cena, and Goldberg, one of those guys will walk out with a win at WrestleMania 37. John Cena. Um it was funny because me and you was just talking about Goldberg the other day. And uh, you know, you you were you, you were you were excited for Goldberg. You know, uh, me on the other hand, like I said, after I was a big Goldberg fan, you know, his WCW days, even his early 2000 when he was on Raw. But I think after he beat the Fiend and how he beat the Fiend, I'm done with Goldberg. I just I can't believe it anymore. I could, I put the, you know, I put the blinds on, you know, Goldberg's not that great of a wrestler, but you know, it's Goldberg, the name holds weight. But after I seen the Fiend get buried by Goldberg, a man that shouldn't have won the champion in the first place, I'm good on Goldberg. I don't think Goldberg should go over any young talent anymore. Um, Undertaker, I've been watching Undertaker since I first started watching wrestling back in 1998. I've always been a huge Undertaker fan, but I hate to say it, but it's time the Undertaker hangs it up. Um, he's getting he's getting up there in age. I think um, that last ride match with AJ Styles was the perfect way to send the Undertaker off. I don't. I'm sorry, we don't need to see Undertaker lumber around the ring anymore. John Cena, um, I think. I've always been 50-50 on how I felt about John Cena. If, like I said, those three had a match, I would want to see Cena win at WrestleMania. Um, I think I would be only because I haven't seen Cena wrestle in so long. And I'm not going to lie, I was a huge Cena fan growing up. I think everyone was at one point in time. Doctor of Thugonomics that you can't see me. So, oh, you know I am. You know I'm on that train. <laughs> and even people that hated John Cena, they just like – He's one of those guys you hate, but it was just something about him. Like, 
you didn't cheer when he win, but you know, he'll do his F you or he'll do the attitude adjustment, pump his shoes up or something. He'd be like, right, you know, I kind of like this guy a little bit. So I got John Cena. And you know, before if I before I had to pick out of those three, I'm gonna definitely go five donuts and say one of those guys walk out champion because you know, you did talk we do disagree on Goldberg. I do like uh seeing him wrestle and obviously I for after the fiend match especially I can see a hundred percent why people are sick of him and quite frankly, uh he's not what he used to be. I'm just big on the veteran guys. I guess I just that's the kid stuck left in me still. But if I had to choose out of those three who would have the best chance, see, here's my thing. If Undertaker is at WrestleMania, he's not losing um, because you would hope that would be his last match, even though his last match should have been last WrestleMania, as Cleveland mentioned, with the AJ Styles cinematic match, which is awesome. So if he does actually get back in the ring, he would have no choice but to get a win. I mean, it's almost like we're saying for the other two, because Cena and Goldberg lost at the WrestleMania last time, Cena losing to um, Bray Wyatt in the cinematic match with all the history behind those two, and then Goldberg losing it to Braun Strowman with the last-minute replacement for Roman Reigns with, uh, obviously, COVID and his cancer situation. Thank God he's back now. But I don't want to see – I, you know, I mean – you're definitely going to get one of those guys there. I hope it's not all three. I want I love John Cena. I mean, he's my favorite character of all time. So of course I want him to be there and win, but hopefully it's not all three. Hopefully we keep mixing in the young talent. I think the WWE lately in the stretch of the summer, especially with COVID has been focusing that. I mean, the veterans, a like a Brock Lesnar and stuff, they want to come when there's a crowd and probably so does the, the others, but they've been developing more talent. You've been seeing raw being more used for, you know, bringing back people to life. Look at Apollo Crews. He's had his little run lately. Look at Shelton Benjamin after hiding in the woods for all those years. Look at uh, MVP after having a time off and coming back. So they have proven on Raw that they, they're going to try some things as they know with Fox, they have to put the best of the best and keep the ratings way up because Fox can drop them in a heartbeat with all they have compared to USA. Moving on. We're going to come to question number three here. And this is just kind of one that was just off the top of my head. I've been, you know, I wanted to ask another one about Hell in a Cell, but that would be contradictory to my past thought of giving too many predictions as we already done Sasha Banks. I'm going to go with this. Seth Rollins. I want to talk, I want to bring him up because his character is so interesting right now. And I know my boy, Tim Crowley, who's, we brought his name up a couple of times with the questions from the Twitter. Thank you again for those. He hates the, his character right now. And I know you like his character right now. My question is not my question, but my thought, my Cleve donuts with Cleve. Seth Rollins will be back to his baby face self in the next six months. Um, I'm, I go a three on that only because like uh, the Messiah, I think him feuded with the Mysterios have somewhat dragged the Messiah Messiah character down a little bit. Um, when it first started off, like I said, it was different. Seth Rollins is a great talker, so it's more believable. But I think after feuding with Dominic and the Mysterios for 
I don't even know how many months now. I think it's time that Seth has a fresh start. Um, I don't, we don't need a baby face Seth. The fans didn't want that last time. It's the reason why he turned heel. I think if you could just, you don't have to turn him face. If you just fix the Messiah character and please move him away from the Mysterios, then I think that he can build back his heel character, his heel credibility, and then people will start taking Seth more serious or liking Seth again is what I feel. So three. And I, I kind of agree. I'm going to go three, too, just because I think he does do a great job as a heel. I've, I did like his face character a lot. Um, I, everything fell so fast for him, I feel like, in that regard. You know, I was at the WrestleMania in New York, uh, 36, where first match of the night, he, you know, curbs down Lesnar a few times, as we mentioned before, wins the title. He has his run and all of a sudden it just got stale so fast. It's, it's like nothing I've ever seen before, quite frankly, with such a big character. And he did need the heel turn and he's done a good job at it. If people don't like him right now, Hey, he's doing his job. Uh, I agree that Ray Mysterio storyline, thank God it's over. It was, I almost had to turn the channel at points with that. I was just, I, I don't know. It's I, when I was younger, I loved not to get on too much of a tangent, but I loved Ray Mysterio. And I'm just, I'm not really in love with the character anymore. I'm, I respect him I, I, for everything I've seen and everything he's done. He's a Hall of Famer without question, but I don't know. I just, it, that, that he doesn't appeal like he used to. It just, maybe it just as time went on. And Dominic just needs to be on his own and be in his own role. I don't like him in all this. If he, now, if he puts the, do you think he should – this is just another Joey's thoughts, another segment I would like to bring back in, just right off the top of my head, Cleveland. Do you like uh, – would you like it if he put the face mask on eventually and fully took over as Rey Mysterio's character? Or do you think they should scrap all the crap they put with Dominic connected to Rey and just make him completely a new individualistic character at some point? Moment was a big uh... – Ray Mysterio passes his mask down to Dominic when he finally hangs it up. I think um, with who Dominic is, his last name, who his dad is, I don't think you could ever, like, hide away from that. It's better if you embrace who your dad is, especially if your dad was one of the all-time great cruiserweights of all time. Um, I think the problem with Dominic is just that he's being forced. Like, he's being shoved down our throats every week. Every week we're seeing Dominic. Every week he's a rookie. I know Ronda Rousey was a rookie too, but that was different though. People knew who Ronda Rousey was. Losing to Ronda Rousey wasn't as hurtful as losing to Dominic, a rookie who's been training his whole life. You know, his dad is Rey Mysterio, but he doesn't really have a great finisher move yet. He's not that great on the mic yet. He's still green a little bit in certain areas. So I think that, I think the passing, I think Ray passing the mask down would be really cool, but I was just want to plead with WWE to slow down a little bit of Dominic's push before he gets burned out within a year and people don't care about it anymore. And I mean, there's just so much talent on SmackDown. Like, and, and I know they've done the draft and things changed a little bit, but 
you got guys on SmackDown like Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode, who quite honestly, yeah, they're a pretty good tag team, but they could easily each have a push and have a run. You have Murphy, who, who's involved with Dominic right now, who could easily have a run. You have Big E, who you know his run is coming soon. You have all the Kevin Owens. You have Sami Zayn, who has the Intercontinental. So there's so many – Daniel Bryan's back into the picture. Seth Rollins. There's just so many characters that I think you could not pump the brakes completely, but just slow it down with Dominic. We don't need him in the spotlight as much as the WWE thinks. I'm not saying they're – he's a bad character at all. I actually quite enjoyed that. I think it's pretty impressive. Um, his skills and his knowledge already of the wrestling and being in the ring than I ever thought. So I do give him credit, but there's so many characters still, even with all the layoffs they've done that they need to keep bringing out all these other guys. You want to, you know, I jump back to raw a second. Uh, Seamus Braun Strowman, you got Miz and Morrison, the new day. I really hope, they developed a little bit enough of some undercard guys. I hope they bring all these guys up to talent and, you know, maybe bring some, you don't need to put Fiend in a title picture right away. You could put, you know, Sheamus has a history. You could put him somewhere in a championship thing. You could break up Miz and Morris and have one of them, not break them up, but have one of them go for a title push. You could have all these characters. I mean, Kofi, he's done it before too. You have all these characters. You don't always need to force the best of the best in the championship picture. We already have Roman Reigns dominating SmackDown with the belt, which is fine. I think the Tribal Chief is going completely well with Paul Heyman, as mentioned. But I think on Monday Night Raw, you could really make things interesting and get these characters up at, who have been entitled. I'm not talking about I'm talking craziness, like with Otis and this Money in the Bank, how he's going from nothing to everything quite potential, potentially right now. Because I, this... You know, the one thing I want to go on a little rant, and again, I hate this with the WWE did. They had a storyline going with Miz and Morrison about this lawsuit. They move him to Monday Night Raw. They move Tucker to Monday Night Raw, Mandy to Monday Night Raw, and leave Lotus Otis on his own, which means one thing to me, that Vince McMahon is going to oppose everybody else, including Cleveland Me Thoughts, which how, how freaking disrespectful is that? Because we're just the cream of the crop, no doubt. But, uh... He's going to go with Otis to me, and he's going to make this a run, and he's going to have something happen. I just have this sick feeling that he doesn't want his original thought to die because to die because he's so stuck in his own mind and such an ass. But it's weird how you know Miz and Morrison moved to Raw Cleveland, and all of a sudden, like you know, that's a storyline just falls flat. I just I'm, it just confused. I'm confused by the whole thing, quite frankly. Yeah, I'm really confused, too, on first. Um, well, first of the Mandy Rose being sent to Raw, I thought that her and Otis were at least an interesting pairing. Um, her moving into Raw was, I think, the fall of the dominoes. I really think, even though these reports of Vince McMahon not wanting to give, not wanting Otis to lose the Money Bank briefcase, I think that Mandy moving to Raw, Tucker moving to Raw, Miz and Morrison moving to Raw, that I really think they're about to give Otis a single push. Like, he has no he has no partner anymore. He has nobody to feud with. He has this guaranteed, guaranteed title shot anytime, anywhere, as long as a referee is present. I think that Vince McMahon, I think they're going to push Otis. And I don't, like I said, we, we talked about this for weeks now. It still blows our mind that Otis, like I said, at first it was all fun and games. But as the months went on, as the year went on, Otis is still at the Money in the Bank briefcase. 
And after that ridiculous feud with Miz and Morrison, it's like, all right, how much credibility does this Money in the Bank have? Because they just made a whole mockery of it with Otis winning it. Because nobody believes Otis is going to beat Drew McIntyre. or No Roman chance. Reigns. No chance. Now, what if, like, this is just me spitballing here, but what if you could use, what if Otis goes to NXT with the Money in the Bank briefcase? Remember, the Royal Rumble winner can challenge either one from each brand, so can the women's and men. I don't think the Money in the Bank said whether you can or not challenge for the NXT title. I know Finn Balor is hurt. If Vince McMahon wants Otis to be a world champion anywhere, go to NXT. You know, like I said, NXT is doing really good. They have a very strong fan base, but nobody on the upper roster wants to see Otis even challenge Drew or Roman Reigns. NXT, you know what? Cool. Let him go down to NXT. You know, let him win a title down there. Man, that's a great thought. You just, I, that has not popped. Talk about a Cleveland thought, ladies and gentlemen, not a Joey thought. That was a great mention. I, I never really thought about the NXT factor. Honestly, if he is going to win a belt, I'd rather it be NXT also than like the United States or Intercontinental Championship because the pop's just not there. If you do shoot for the main NXT title, that's because everybody did leave them, like you say. That's a great point. And randomly jumping this in really quick is how rude of me not to congratulate Cleveland's Los Angeles Lakers. I knew they'd win in six games, but Cleveland, kudos to the LA Lakers. Thank you, thank you, thank you. I've been saying it all year. I've been saying it all bubble. I've been saying it all playoffs. Legault James is going to win his fourth ring this year. Um, it was a little tough week for me, too, a little bit. Uh, my Cowboys did win. I will shout that out, but we also lost Dak Prescott, who I hope makes speedy recovery. So that kind of uh, – it's a little tough. But our division is still trash, so we should come out number one in that. But whew, I've been feeling really good. I know we're not talking wrestling right now a little bit. I'm just – LeBron James, LeGoat James, whatever you want to call him. It felt good to finally have these LeBron haters shut up. You know, they're going to keep pulling out all these facts and this and that. You know what they're going to do. But, I, I'm going to be one of them. But at the end of the day, LeBron James delivered on his promise again when he said I was going to the Los Angeles Lakers and he won the title. I don't care who he played. It's not his fault the Miami Heat showed up to the Eastern Conference out of the East. Blame Giannis. Blame Boston. You could blame the clip show, the choke jobs, whatever you want to call it. LeBron James has four rings, and you Jordan fans, you Kobe fans, you guys are sweating a little hard, especially you Jordan fans. You Kobe oh, no, fans there's no like, sweating. There is no sweating. You Kobe fans are in the background. You're like the little brother that you can't tell shut up, so you just let him talk to <laughs> you. As great as a player as Kobe Bryant was, Kobe Bryant is not better than LeBron James. And you Jordan fans – we're going to switch back to wrestling in a second. I just want to get this off my chest. You Jordan fans, blow my mind. Because I understand you watch Michael Jordan play. You know, it's only the older generation that this nonsense come out. I'm a 94 baby, so I grew up, you know, somewhat in the Jordan era. But LeBron James, LeGoat James, the things he can do on the court, off the court. Michael Jordan was great on the court, but he was never great off the court. He never... Michael Jordan is very silent on a lot of things. LeBron James, though, what do you think he's, he's too outspoken or he's too, you know, he thinks he's running the NBA. 
LeBron James addresses issues off the court. He talks about life is bigger than basketball. And that, to me, why I think LeBron James – LeGoat James, my bad. Oh, my God. LeGoat James. Oh, my God. I'm, I'm, I'm quite disgusted. I gave you the floor for even a few minutes. We are going to get back to wrestling. But since we brought this up, I am sick to my damn stomach right now. LeGoat James, I'm about to hurl up what I ate last night, all that pizza for dinner. This is – Ladies and gentlemen, this is where we. This is where the show is fun. I completely disagree. Look, Michael Jordan has the ghost sitting next to him, while LeBron James is still miles downstairs. And here, you know what? I, I do agree with a couple things. I do. Who cares who you play? You show up to the championship, you win. So that's something I agree on. One of the very few things I agree on. Because let me tell you, ladies and gentlemen, Michael Jordan, when he went to the championship, and we're going to get back to wrestling, but I have to make this point. When he went to a championship, it was. How many games is it going to take MJ to win? When LeBron goes to a finals, that's who's winning the finals. It's a 50-50 chance. Michael Jordan was 100% all the time when it came down to it. And there's a lot of things we could argue about. We can go back and forth all day with this. But if he's going to say LeGoat James and make me feel queasy, Michael Jordan has 38 goats in his kitchen probably right now chilling with him while LeBron is trying to run up that hill still. Okay, Cleveland? And go into football a little bit. Dallas Cowboys, kudos on their win. Obviously, the Dak Prescott loss. Um, keep everybody, keep him in your thoughts and prayers. Uh, he went. He's going through a tough injury, and it's going to be on Andy Dalton's shoulders. My Colts took an L last week. They're at three and two. We play Cincinnati coming up tomorrow. If we win, I'm going to have a Sunday fun day. Either way, I probably am. I'm taking it easy today. Just going to enjoy some time outside. But we better beat the Bengals and get to four and two before a bye week because. Uh, yeah, I, I can't be three and three going into a bye week off a of Cincinnati loss. You guys, we might be, well, I don't know if I'll be able to talk for a couple of weeks, which would be an issue for this show. So, but we're going to move on. He's team LeBron. I'm team MJ. We might bring in more sports talk next week on that because I think the conversation has a lot to go, <laughs> but uh, I'm glad we brought it in. Getting back to wrestling though, as we wrap up the show coming up here, Clevelanders, are, I always, you know, I always, one thing I think I'm good at is making sure that everything you had on the table with your notes gets off your chest. Is there anything that we didn't cover so far and we didn't talk about much NXT today? And sorry about that. We did a little bit of Otis, but not about the show. Is there anything you need to get off with WWE, AEW, or NXT that you had that we didn't bring up so far? I think we covered a um, majority of the things. Um, like we've been talking about the past few weeks, the Hell in a Cell pay-per-view is sort of like a, it's sort of like, all right, this, this is going to sound kind of crazy. It's sort of like the rain before uh, a nice sunny day. You know, like all the feuds are accumulating into this Hell in a Cell fight. Like Roman Reigns, Jey Uso, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton, Sasha Banks, Bailey. We are seeing the end of great feuds that have held the WWE up during these tough times. And I think that after this pay-per-view, we're going to start seeing fresh starts, new storylines. You know, maybe Jey Uso and Roman doesn't end, but maybe somebody else get added to it. I really hope this Roman Reign, I mean, um, Drew McIntyre, Randy Orton feud is over with. Like I said, it was great for the summer, but we have to start you need new guys emerging. Um, the Fiend moving to Raw was a great move for me. 
keeping the Hurt Business on Raw was fantastic. I think a group like that needs to be on a three-hour show. Um, New Day breaking up was not as bad as people made it seem. I think it was great that Big E gets his time to shine. And if Big E falls on his face, guess what? He can go back to New Day and we can all forget about it. And then one day is going to come to the point where Xavier Woods will one day have to get a single run too. So we're, it's not as bad as people making it seem like, you know, Biggie's being left on his own. Um, AJ Styles going to Raw was very big. Um, we, we heard about him and Paul Heyman don't get, does not get along that well. AJ Styles didn't like the fact that Paul Heyman didn't stick his neck out for the Good Brothers to stay with WWE. And then when Paul showed up on SmackDown, there's been a lot of rumblings that AJ Styles didn't want to be on SmackDown anymore. So for him to go to Raw is a fresh start. Uh, funny thing, it's almost slipped my mind. We've been talking about NXT so much this time. And I've seen Andrada posted something, I believe it was on Twitter, of a picture of him holding the NXT title. And I don't know if people realize, but Andrada went undrafted him and Selena Vega. And we have seen in the past where guys that have not did so well on the Raw brand or SmackDown go back to NXT. And it's not, I wouldn't even call it the demotion because we've seen Finn Balor. I felt him going to the main roster was a demotion and he going back to NXT. It's a, it's a new character. He's new. He's fresh. People are looking forward to it. And Andrada, he can't, he can't speak English that well. That's well documented. He can't cut promos that well. And the main roster is all about cutting promos compared to NXT. They don't really cut that many promos. So your, your work and your actions speak more than your voice do. So I think Andrada going back to NXT is a great move for him. And um, something else I wanted to touch on. Oh, we, oh, I cannot let this go by. We spoke of this. I spoke last week. I didn't want to tear down the women's Raw division. I respect the women's division. I really do. I think a lot of the women try their hardest. But Lana, I, I can't understand from Naomi to all these other, even Nia Jax and Shayna Blaze. I know they are the Raw. I know they are the women's tag team titles, but anybody but Lana, anybody but Lana. I'm sorry, she is, she can't wrestle. She's not that good in between the ropes. You are literally, Asuka is literally a lion and Lana is a baby gazelle. You know, it's, <laughs> I'm sorry to use that. I, I don't want, I don't like, I know it's tough to think, but dude, that's a cakewalk. That's a, probably a five minute, three minute squash match. So I didn't understand why they refuse not to put better wrestlers and better women wrestlers in the Raw division because, like I said, Lana, Mandy Rose, you know, all these other, Dana Brooks, you have all these other wrestlers and they're, they're good. They're still trying, but they're like, they're not even on the same level as Oscar. And I think with Beth, I think with um, Becky Lynch being out, Charlotte Flair being out, we don't really see that. We can kind of see the flaws in the women's division on both brands too, where there's just like after Bailey, Sasha, Shayna Baszler, Oscar, Naomi, who else is Nia Jax? Come on, she's a she's a big woman. She's like she's good. She's like the big show of the women's division. You know what I mean? That's not even a joke or anything. No, that's true. She's a dominant person, but she can't wrestle. She's dangerous in the ring. She busts Becky Lynch nose a few years ago. 
there's been a few people that said Nia Jax is unsafe to work with. So I think that they need to really do something with their women's division. The, the women's tag team is a joke. I'm sorry. There's not enough tag teams. They got rid of the Iconics, which I thought was a really good women's tag team. The Riot Squad is just becoming that their tag team that you just beat to build momentum. Um, Sasha and Bailey aren't together anymore. So the Raw Women's Tag Team Division is fun. It's like, it's on life support. And I think Asuka Reign, as great of a champion Asuka is, she has not had any good challengers for the title. And you hit on a lot of points right there. And first, going to your NXT one real quick, I have no problem with more talent going there. If Andrade wants to go there, if they want to put other characters in you know, that aren't getting the main spotlight and moving to NXT for a little while and join like a successful Finn Balor, I'm all for it. So I like that thought. Number two, going to your other uh, thought on the women's division, I do agree. Lana, I mean, it's like, come on. Now, I hate to compare it as so because this is no discredit to Uso, but when I say this, like Roman Reigns is coming out champion no matter what, just like Asuka is. Now, so of course no matter who you had in here you couldn't you weren't really going to have an upset victory but you hit you could have people and build storylines without it being lana her ring skills are not impressive um she is a beautiful woman and i do not doubt her abilities outside of the ring but come on we could have done better we could have chose someone else even if you gave peyton royce a choice and just went on a little bit of a run like i thought vince would want but you know they're going with lana it's not going to be a highlighted pay-per-view when we post a poll on our twitter at cleave and me about what will be the best match i will not be one of them but ladies and gentlemen we talked a lot of wrestling today we even brought you a little mj lebron talk with a little bit of football it's a saturday afternoon i'm going to be downloading and dropping right after so if you're just you know driving around, have not much to do, relaxing this weekend, you know, Monday morning on your way to work before Raw or any rest, big wrestling starts back up. Anytime during the week, tune in. We're going to be back next week with Helena Cell with a guest on the show. We're going to leave that up to a surprise because just as much as you guys, we do not know at the moment either. But that being said, we hope everyone has a safe and great weekend. And we, of course, thank you as always. We are out on episode eight. God bless and go. Colts.